0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, and you will also live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So happy Mother's Day to all of you, especially to those of you who have been mothers and all of you who have been mothered, which I guess takes up most of us regardless of age and gender. So. Have a wonderful day. But first, let's talk. (laughs) In spite of this morning's joy, we know there is a, a heavy darkness hovering near and far. No need to elaborate the details. We are well acquainted, aren't we? Yet it seems that an occasional change of focus can be a healthy perspective, but also reminds us to appreciate the gift to welcome the first light of day, rain or shine and after all the Benedictines have been telling us to do this for centuries and to remember that always we can begin again. And I think today's message has a lot to do with beginning again. That new beginning is assured in today's gospel when Jesus offers the comfort of love in tangible terms. We are not to be left orphaned. Another advocate, the spirit of truth, will be with us and in us forever. And therefore we are extremely blessed and we're going to come back to that in a little bit, but first, let me talk about something else. Uh, that the day, uh, because the daily news is always going to interrupt us and let us know that things are not completely okay. I haven't checked today, and it's been grateful. <laughs> it's, it seems endless, doesn't it? But on that note, I want to share a bit of insight that I experienced on a recent Sunday afternoon at Kaufman Center. The music director, Michael Stern, walked on the stage as usual, but he was a little bit, no, a lot more somber than characteristically. His peppy spirit subdued as he made his obligatory bow to the, the, the orchestra and then offered a brief offering of information to us. He said, We will be listening to Challenging Music today, a 63-minute piece by Paul Hindoth, who lived in the turmoil Of Nazi Germany with his wife of Jewish heritage before they came to America. And today's piece, he said, it was inspired by Walt Whitman's poem about World War II and the post-war grief. The name of the poem, by the way, is When Lilies Last in the Dooryard Bloomed. You may be familiar with that. Maestro Stern continued, as I recall, this is more my words, the music is rich in sadness, agitating even, revealing unspeakable human loss and grief that comes with remembering. The audience was intently still. Clearly, this would not be a soothing Sunday concert, as I had hoped. It was then that the maestro called our attention to three of our nation's presidents who had died in office. In April of 1865, 25 million people mourning, stood silently as a train carried President Abraham Lincoln's body between Washington, D.C., and Springfield, Illinois. Sorrow hung in the air, and the whimper of human loss was palpable. On April day, 1945, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was buried in his mother's garden, as he had requested. But it took thousands of miles by train to get him there, and at each mile revealing crowds of mourners. And then came that cold November day in 1963 when President John F. Kennedy, JFK, was assassinated in Dallas. A weeping nation stood shoulder to shoulder, huddled in silence. Meister Stern whispered, Let us be reminded of those mourners, of mixed generations and heritage, languages unknown, of color and age, race and gender, political and religious differences. These were God's people, side by side, variable in opinions, yet together in grief and then Maestro said, why cannot we likewise be that way? Why can we not stand together even in disagreement for the good of all? And we who listened did so from our own mix of perspectives. Like those crowds of mourners, we too were God's people called to love no matter the obstacles of diversity and in the quiet hush that followed a sense of connection for me was powerful. Together we shared truth whether one knew it or not. I for example thought God to be very present loving each one of us, whether or not we were aware, I found the moment a rare express of hope. Others may have thought it odd or even totally untrue. As Christians, we know how to talk about love and the commandment our gospel featured today, specifically, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The question that I hear is how do we keep those commandments? I mean, do we live it every day or just occasionally? It's not, after all, an abstract philosophical concept. It's a lively and vibrantly lived reality with an ethic of well-being intended for all. How's that for a catechism? Pretty clear, isn't it? The issue, however, is how do we stay the course Jesus commands? It might be helpful to do a little personal checkup. For example, I sometimes harbor an opinion silently that may well not pass the Jesus standard. A few politicians and government officials come to mind, and I'm certain that that could be true for all of us, if not the same ones. (laughs) I'm probably not alone in wanting my personal image to be respected, but it becomes easy to get self-involved and fail to consider someone else's need. As for guilt, I confess spending money on frivolous, I want that one, as if that is more important than contributing to another's need for, say, shelter. As for most of us in America, we we seem obsessed with the need to remain productive, Admired and, yes, eternally young. It is as if we perform life rather than live it. More comfortable living an illusion versus seeking the truth. The unfortunate truth is that seeking personal power is more appealing than helping the powerless. And, I suppose, we prefer the comfort of love more than the work of love. So, to be clear, when Jesus talks about real love, he is binding us to the power of divine purpose. And speaking of that power, I've been intrigued by the current focus on artificial intelligence. A1, I, excuse me, AI, I'm not practiced in that part yet. (laughs) I grew up with one intelligence, probably most of us did, IQ. Quotient, right? Intelligence quotient. I discovered, however, that artificial intelligence was out first around 1956. And folks, that's when I was a brand new teenager and I had a lot more interest in boys than in IQ. (laughs) However, my interest in AI was peaked just this week when learning that one can access automated sermons <laughs> now that could come in really handy in a rough week <laughs> i digress and then let's get back to god's intelligence i'd like also to return to the earlier topic that i skipped over about new beginnings and talk to you about the spirit of truth. Today we heard Jesus assuring us and I quote the spirit of truth abides with us and will be in us. Jesus addressed that promise thousands of years ago and it's a truth we many of our uh, Christians trust today however that spirit is also referred to in the gospel as another advocate. An advocate in Greek means one who has been called to our side to stand up for us. Jesus calls this spirit another advocate because Jesus himself was the first advocate and this second advocate Jesus promises will be with us, be with each of us, you, in you. As such, we reach the ultimate hope within us. And finally, we are to realize that while we are to do the work of love, very much like planting seeds in the spring, we must also realize that we will not always know how it all turns out. CBS 60 Minutes last Sunday provided its own take on such a learning. And I'm going to try to make this name once. James Nacknacktway. Nack, okay, James, a fabulous, renowned pro, uh, photographer in almost every way, and in, in every war in recent history. He is known as a man searching for meaning, who has witnessed suffering and sacrifice throughout the world. And these days he is focused on Ukraine, which is clue enough of the many close calls he has endured. He claims to have discovered that we all are capable of transcending circumstances. For example, from brutality to stunning acts of kindness. He has seen how mothers and fathers Throughout the world are his real heroes, how they risk personal safety to provide safety for their children and for any child in their path. Nothing is short of miraculous, he calls them. He has seen a man sheltering a child in armed conflict. He's witnessed others sharing of their meager amount of food with someone who has none and amid senseless destruction there have been quiet acts of compassion vividly expressed in people's eyes and in their hands. It seems to me that this photographer would agree that whenever we give, we gain. And whenever we sacrifice, we receive that spiritual awakening of God's presence within. Therefore, we have our strength. Therein is our hope. We are seed bearers, and we don't need to see the end result. As the late Frederick Buechner, expressed, I had to cross out some of this. (laughs) I can find that the way and the truth and the light in all of those who walk before me, it's about how we live on the way with gratitude for life with Jesus, and then to share that life with others. It's really quite simple, isn't it? And yet, we always hesitate. Can I do that? I don't know. I'm really not trained. But we are not to worry about our performance. The spirit within us has got our back.